Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part series, I visit with Jesse Kaplan, the Managing Director of Corporate Oversight at Affiliated Monitors, in a series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring. We take up the opioid crisis, focusing on prescribing opioids, regulatory and compliance risks, the identifying and mitigating risks around opioid prescribing. We consider the expanded use of an independent monitor in healthcare regulatory situations. Then we take a look at it from the independent integrity monitoring of healthcare organizations and systems. And finally, we conclude with using independent integrity assessments and monitoring to limit adverse consequences of compliance violations. This five-part series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, and it is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is our fifth and final episode in this special five-part series. We previously looked at emerging risks involved in opioid prescribing and how organizations can mitigate those risks by proactively assessing the prescribing practices of their physicians and physician extenders. We also took a look at how healthcare organizations can benefit by having an independent monitor, independent compliance expert, a fresh set of eyes, so to speak, evaluate the company's compliance program. In this final episode, we take a look at how independent integrity monitoring can be helpful for organizations that may be facing actual or potential compliance issues in the healthcare arena. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our fifth and final episode of Emerging Issues in Healthcare Compliance and Monitoring with Jesse Kaplan, Managing Director of Corporate Oversight at Affiliated Monitors. Today, we're going to take a look at using independent integrity assessments and monitoring to limit the adverse consequences of a compliance violation. Uh, Jesse, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. My pleasure. So, Jesse, at the end of uh, episode four, I ask you uh, to this question uh, of this entire podcast topic. Uh, So, let me just jump right into it. And if you can explain in a little bit deeper dive, how can an independent integrity review and monitoring be helpful to a healthcare organization which may have reason to believe there's an actual or potential compliance problem, problem, but has not yet been subject to an enforcement action or a CIA imposed by the government? Yeah, so that's a, a, you know, a, a great question. And what I can tell you is that 
in our experience, the use of an independent compliance expert to assess a healthcare organization's ethics and compliance program, you know, at the point in time where the organization has reason to believe it has a compliance problem and may face an enforcement action, can have tremendous value to that organization. Uh, where a healthcare organization has reason to believe it has a compliance issue, that organization will be faced with a range of obligations and potential consequences. You know, and the organization and their counsel will likely seek to mitigate those potential consequences to the extent possible. Using an independent compliance expert to proactively review and assess the organization's ethics and compliance program, then make recommendations for remediation and improvement, and then offering to have that independent expert monitor the organization's implementation of those remedial measures and improvements can be a useful tool in dealing with the government enforcement agency and convincing that agency to grant the organization some leniency in the sanctions that might otherwise be imposed by that agency. Is this something that you're, in your experience, you find, uh, uh, I don't want to say appeals, but regulators respond to when a company has actually taken these proactive steps, but more importantly has brought in a truly independent to come and um, uh, take take a look, uh, make an assessment, and perhaps even go with a company uh, to explain their assessment uh, to a regulator if needed? Yes, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you a little bit of why and, and some of our experience. So, so first, myself, coming from my enforcement background, you know, and consistent with guidance that we get from the Justice Department and the CMS Inspector General, we know that the government expects and, in fact, demands that healthcare organizations self-report certain types of compliance violations. You know, examples, overpayments they've received or false or fraudulent claims that they've billed the government uh, to certain types of privacy breaches. All are, the government expects self-reporting of those. Uh, the government also wants to see that the, val- that the violation has been investigated and remediated. Uh, and just as importantly, uh, that the violation is not indicative uh, of a systematic failure of the organization's ethics and compliance program. You know, while the organization can and should investigate compliance violations using their own internal resources or their outside counsel, <clears throat> using an independent compliance expert to assess the ethics and compliance program and culture, make those recommendations, then monitor to make sure those recommendations are implemented. You now that can provide a level of objectivity and credibility that is more likely to resonate uh, with government enforcement. You know, so we, based on our, our experience as a firm, we have had many engagements where the healthcare organization, either directly or through legal counsel, uh, engaged our firm, usually under privilege, uh, to conduct an assessment of the ethics and compliance program and culture uh, of the firm, uh, where we then made recommendations for improvement and remediation and where we monitored the organization's implementation of those recommendations. In many of those cases, the organization and their counsel were able to convince the government enforcement agency that the company's actions in addressing its deficiencies justified more lenient treatment. Uh, in effect, what happens is the organization you know, and its outside counsel, what they're able to say to the government is, you don't have to take our word for it that our compliance program is strong, that we've identified gaps and remediated those gaps. Uh, 
you can rely on the assessment and monitoring of an independent, objective, and credible monitoring firm. Uh, and in some of these cases, using the independent monitor, in our, based on our experience, likely meant the difference between the healthcare organization being permitted to continue to participate in government healthcare programs, you know, as opposed to being excluded from those programs or even having their licenses revoked. So, Jesse, one of the things that has struck me uh, throughout this podcast series and some of the other times I've had the chance to visit with you on your work in the healthcare industry is you're very passionate. Many people in the healthcare industry are very passionate about uh, the delivery of quality healthcare services. And that could be whether they work for a healthcare provider, that can be whether they work for a regulator, it could be whether they work for a legislator in a policy position. Um, so when you couple that with the other thing that seems to make healthcare, if not unique, certainly different from other commercial organizations, is that there is a desire, it seems to me, across the board to keep uh, or provide access to sufficient quality healthcare providers. It's it's the gov- not in the government's interest uh, to bring the hammer down and put people out of business uh, unless they have to, and it's not in people like you and me's. Uh, interest to have uh, access to uh, sufficient or adequate health care denied. So how does all of that sort of tie into uh, how regulators look at this and how people like you or health care providers would help regulators or give regulators the information so they didn't have to put people out of business? Right. You know, I absolutely agree with you, Tom. Uh, you know, from a public policy perspective, you know, healthcare regulators, you know, what they want to do is, is ensure access to sufficient quality care, uh, sufficient providers, uh, particularly in areas where uh, there often is a lack of, of access to quality providers like behavioral health or providers that serve vulnerable and underserved populations. Uh, you know, having, having that access uh, to quality providers is just a constant challenge for healthcare policymakers. And you're right, uh, you know, a regulator doesn't necessarily want to exclude these important providers, even when they have significant compliance issues. Uh, but they, what they want to do is they want to make sure those providers uh, have remediated their, uh, their problems and that, and the regulator wants to be confident uh, that that remediation is going to stick. Right, and so they want to make sure that somehow that remediation is being monitored, and that's where you know having an in, you know using independent monitors uh, helps provide uh, that assurance uh, that the remediation is happening. Uh, it's the right type of remediation, uh, and that it's going to stick. Uh, so, uh, and and to do and to do all that. Uh, without necessarily requiring more resources on the part of the government, because of all all our uh, all our monitoring uh, where it's been imposed uh, is always paid for by the organization, uh, which means that you know that scarce government resources are not being expended uh, for this purpose. Uh, so you know that based on our experience, it, it really is uh, it means you know using independent monitoring. Having agreements between the regulator uh, and the healthcare organization uh, that results in the organization continuing to be able to operate and be uh, and be have access to government programs is really the win-win for uh, 
for our society. Jesse, one of the things that I don't think we've specifically addressed yet has been a theme throughout this podcast series has been the independent part of independent integrity monitoring. Uh, And I was wondering if we might conclude our series with some of your thoughts about why the independent part of integrity monitoring is so critical. Obviously, an in-house practitioner, an in-house lawyer, a corporate organization can assess uh, its own compliance program, and many do, and many do very well. But yet the independent part, I think, is is something that AMI brings to the table. And I was just wondering if you could uh, maybe conclude with having uh, been a regulator, having been in the healthcare industries, and having even been with the Department of Justice, why is the independent part of independent integrity monitoring so critical? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And, uh, and it's not always clear what it mean, what's meant by independent. And, and let me just be clear. So, so when we are engaged as an independent monitor, uh, it really means that uh, we do not have any type of what I would call a fiduciary obligation uh, to the organization that may even be paying for us. Uh, but we don't have a fiduciary obligation like a, 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 their outside counsel might have or their accountant might have. Uh, but we're also independent to extend from the government as well. Uh, and so what that means is uh, that from the government side, uh, what we report is what we believe is objective information to the government. And uh, the government may not necessarily uh, expect what, what we're going to report to them, and they may not always agree. Uh, and when, when they don't agree, the government can actually take a different position. Uh, but the bottom line is that we don't hold what I would call a fiduciary relationship or commitment or obligation to either side. Uh, we also make sure that we do absolute conflict of interest checks so that the people working uh, as the independent monitor and our firm, we do not have any kind of conflicts that could in any way uh, color uh, the work we do or the conclusions uh, we come to. And by, main, by maintaining that strict independence and objectivity, it provides credibility uh, so that uh, the government agency uh, and the public that they represent uh, can feel, can rest assured uh, that what we're providing, the information we're providing uh, is not tainted by any obligation or conflicts or ties with the organization that we're monitoring. And the organization itself uh, and the people within the organization uh, can know that uh, when we come and we ask questions and we look at things, uh, we're not doing it uh, on behalf of, for instance, we're not, we're not necessarily, uh, we don't have an agenda. We don't have an agenda that maybe uh, corporate leadership might have, uh, and we don't necessarily even have an agenda that the government uh, would have. We're not investigators. We're objective uh, observers uh, that validate uh, what the organization says they're doing, uh, and then we report uh, our findings to the government. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it is crucial. The independence is both crucial, but also is really what provides uh, the benefit, the credibility, the comfort to both the government regulating uh, agency as well as the organization that's being monitored. So, Jesse, we are at the uh, end of our podcast series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and monitoring. This has really been a fascinating exploration for both myself and our listeners on uh, using the independent integrity monitoring to address what's really a 
a major crisis in, in U.S. healthcare now, uh, the opioid crisis, and it brings tools to all of the parties involved, the regulators, the legislators, and indeed the healthcare uh, organizations, whether that be hospitals, whether it be doctors or or even uh, pharmaceutical companies, a way to think through as a response to this. So thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to seeing where this uh, you may be able to take all of this. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Tom, and it's really been uh, my pleasure to, uh, to do this with you. This is Tom Fox. I hope you enjoyed this episode in our five-part exploration of emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring. Also, I hope you will check out our sponsor's website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you will join us again for another episode. This five-part podcast series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.